0: let's get into the word of god again <clears throat> james chapter 5 uh, last week we looked at verse 9 i want to read that again and kind of recap what we looked at last week and this does tie in to what we're going to look at this morning and uh we'll set this up and and uh kind of show how these tied together and then dive into our passage here james 5 9 though says do not grumble against one another brethren, lest you be condemned behold the judge is standing at the door and uh again we looked at this and saw how easy it is for us to fall into grumbling Uh, really it's implying the idea of having a grudge towards somebody Uh, our flesh nature is one that is easily offended it is one that seems to harbor bitterness very easily Uh, oftentimes we want to be forgiven but we are quick not to forgive others and uh, we really spoke a lot about that and really saw again from the text here and other places that we've been called to be a people who don't grumble a people who don't bear grudges especially against another brother and sister in the Lord and we looked at many reasons why this is the case and we just began to scratch the surface on those reasons but we really looked at James reason that he gives and boy he just goes right to the heart of the matter lest you be condemned behold the judge is standing at the door now we saw for the believer, this isn't a condemnation unto hell because we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And If he's your Lord and Savior, we're under grace, we're not under the law. But absolutely, practically, our lives are being judged and we're going to give an account for our lives. Are we going to walk in newness of life? Are we going to walk in what the Lord has for us? Or are we going to, you know what, live like unbelievers? The word condemned, it means to be judged and to be found guilty. And we don't want to be a people that are found guilty of grumbling and holding grudges because we talked about the fact that ultimately when we're grumbling and complaining and holding a grudge, ultimately it's against the Lord. Because a man plans his ways and the Lord directs his steps. And on one hand we'll read Romans eight twenty-eight, we know the Lord works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, and we say, Amen. But then in the middle of someone doing us wrong, we get a grudge against them and somehow we try to justify that but wait a minute God allows things to happen to work them for our good so when we're bearing a grudge against the individual like Moses said you're not complaining against me you're complaining against the Lord we don't want to found a people with a grudge against God a people complaining against God we also talked about the fact how other times we're guilty of the very thing that we're charging others of have you ever been grumbling about another individual, their behavior, or so forth, like we saw in Ecclesiastes, where it just says, Hey, slow down when someone's talking bad about you. You know you've done the same thing yourself, and you've done it more than once. There's a hypocrisy in that. And then we also saw how when we don't forgive, we're not practically then forgiven. If someone does this wrong and we want to hold a grudge in our hearts, when we don 't forgive we 're allowing that grudge to stay in our lives, and so listen, the Lord can't practically wash our feet of that if we want to hold on to it, though again in christ 's position we 're right before Him, and then we 're found not about abiding in the Lord. Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we abide in him, we 'll bear much fruit, and when we want to harbor bitterness, when we want to walk with a grudge, when we want to be a grumbling people, then we 're not going to be found abiding in the Lord, bearing much fruit. Instead, we're going to be found abiding in the house of bitterness. And abundant life is not found there. Freedom isn't found there. If your safe space is unforgiveness and bearing grudges and so forth, and you put that up as a wall of protection around you, all you're doing is putting poison up around you. We really looked at this in hopes that through the proclamation of the Word of God, our faith was built to be a people that say, listen, my emotion's telling me not to forgive, but God's Word tells me to, so I'm going to take a step of faith and trust in the lord And we even talked about the fact that listen when we take our thoughts captive and say i'm not going to acknowledge these emotions i'm not going to acknowledge this hardness but the lord told me to forgive so i'm going to forgive that freedom is found in that when we take our thoughts captive according to the obedience of jesus christ now listen at first reading these next two verses don't necessarily sound like they go together but absolutely they do let's read verse nine again do not grumble against one another brethren lest you be condemned, behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. This morning, we're going to talk about prophets. We're going to talk about prophecy. Prophecy really is proclaiming the word of God and power we're going to see scripturally and I think it's pretty easy to see practically in the world today that listen for the most part the truth of God's word is not received well by the world the truth of God's word oftentimes is not even received by those with a form of godliness that want to deny the power it's not received by the Laodicean church at many turns, and as a result of that listen the offense of it oftentimes there's persecution that comes Upon prophets and prophesying and those that want to proclaim God's word in power. We're going to look at the prophets who, listen, they patiently endured the affliction that came from standing in the truth. And we're going to see that the Lord is wanting us to consider the end result. We're going to see how in Hebrews, that despite the great persecutions they went under, that they were looking to obtain a greater resurrection. And we're going to see as well that, listen, when those around them who they were proclaiming truth to persecuted them, they didn't grumble against them. They didn't bear a grudge against them, which we're tempted to do, right? But instead, they continued to proclaim truth to them, to pray for them, and to weep for them. Because, again, they weren't short-sighted. They understood, listen, if these people don't heed this truth, They don't need the wrath of me added to them. They're already under the wrath of God and their end result is going to be an eternity separated from the living God whom they refuse to bow knee to. So instead of getting hard hearted, bearing a grudge and grumbling, oh, I can't believe they won't accept Jesus. Instead, they wept over them. And that is one of the things that enabled them to continue to be patient and to proclaim the truth that enabled them to endure. Because, listen, if you're going to stand on the truth of God's word today, you're going to need endurance because there's going to be opposition. There's going to be spiritual opposition, worldly opposition. There's going to be Laodicean opposition. And, listen, even our own flesh oftentimes is the greatest opposition. Has your flesh ever been offended by the word of God? Has your flesh ever said, listen, just quit standing in truth. Just slow your roll and go along with the tide so that life's a little easier. Well, again, we're told to consider these things. Consider Job, again, how it worked out in the end. So God is calling us in this not to be short-sighted and to really watch our hearts. We don't want to be a people who stand in truth but walk away from love. Our love for the Lord, our love for others. So again, let's read the text again and get into it. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Let's talk about prophets. A prophet or a prophetess is one who speaks the truth of God with power. Speaks forth the heart and mind of God. And again, does it with power. And really, when you start talking about prophets, that's more of the major role of a prophet we look at the scripture and we see these men these women they weren't people that spoke and their words fell to the ground instead they were people that spoke under the anointing of the lord and what they spoke impacted people now it doesn't mean that everyone responded positively in fact as we look at them the majority of people rejected what they had to say in most occasions but absolutely when they spoke people heard people took note There was a reaction of some sort. There wasn't just a, eh, people responded one way or another. I think of Samuel, great prophet of God, 1 Samuel 3.19. It says, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And so when he spoke again, as he spoke with an authority, as he spoke forth the word of God, it penetrated the hearts of the hearers. Listen to what the scripture says about Ezekiel. The Lord told him in Ezekiel 2.5, As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Unfortunately, the majority of them refuse. But when Ezekiel spoke, they knew they had been confronted with the word of God. They knew they had been confronted with truth from heaven above. It impacted them. And again, some of them responded very hostile. And there was others a remnant that heard and responded by repenting. Think about John the Baptist. Jesus said this about him in John or Matthew eleven, seven, it says, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses, but what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you more than a prophet. And the Lord's describing John not as a man who would bend with every wind. A reed, a, a reed is, again, a plant that when the wind comes, it will blow with it. Wind comes this way, goes this way. Come here, go in here. Might go back, might go forward. It's going with the wind, right? He says, you didn't go out to see a guy like that. You went out to see someone that spoke God's word with power, with authority. They were resolute. They didn't, we didn't waver on what he said, even concerning our own Lord the Son of God, who was much more than a prophet, but he was a prophet on top of everything else he was and is. In Mark 1, it says, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And the scribes were individuals that set themselves up as ones that were representing the Lord, but the majority of them were preaching a false self-righteous workspace gospel and the lord came and rightly divided the scripture and they said this isn't like these other guys his word comes forth with authority and so part of the role of a prophet really the more major role is just speaking forth the truth of god's word with power when god's word is shared it penetrates people's hearts and there's a response again whether it's negative or positive there's something happening it's not just a picture of yeah, you know, whatever. That's their truth. I got my truth. No, people are getting either their feathers ruffled, they're getting up in arms, or people are getting on their face and they're repenting. Another role of a prophet, and in many ways, this is more of a minor role, though again, much of the scripture is prophecy, things that God penned through men as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. But even as you look at the prophets in the scripture, practically in their lives, listen, that foretelling of a future event In many ways, it's more of a minor role, though there are times absolutely when God will move a prophet to foretell future events. Scripturally, again, we look at things going on today, we see, wow, these things were foretold and it brings credibility and validity to the scriptures, but even at times practically he would have prophets foretell something that was going to happen in the immediate future. Acts 21.10, it says, and we say many days and a certain prophet named Agabus came from judea and when he had come to us he took paul's belt bound his own hands and feet and said thus says the holy spirit so the jews at jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the gentiles and indeed we know that word came to be true we know he's speaking about paul after giving that word they started begging paul don't go we don't want you to be bound but paul said no the lord has you know what called me to be bound and I really believe the word was spoken to get the church on their knees praying for the Lord, because really you could argue that Paul's last missionary journey there in the scripture, which was him being bound, brought before judges and kings and so forth, was his greatest. The Lord took him to places where he never would have been able to go on his own and took him bound to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that prophetic word stirred the church to pray for him, to lift him up. He needed that undergirding in the mission that God had called him to. Now, listen to the Old Testament. There's a handful of selected prophets and people who prophesied. We don't count King Saul a prophet, but there was a time when he was in rebellion and the Lord said, Listen, you're not going to rebel. I'm going to move you to prophesy. And it says he went and he stripped down and he prophesied before the Lord all day. And it's kind of, wow, well, trip out on that. But listen, God allowed it to happen. In the New Testament, though, the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit coming upon all flesh and our sons and daughters, men servants and maidservants prophesying. Again, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon prophets, priests, and kings. The Holy Spirit did not indwell even those that have faith in the coming of Christ because their faith had not been fulfilled yet. But in Christ Jesus, is He your Lord and Savior today? Can you say amen to that? That you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. God, who at one point did not dwell in us because of our sin, he will not commune with sin. God is not in all things. God did not indwell in us before we came to Christ. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our sins were washed, and then we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, daily God is now wanting to empower us. He's wanting to empower us to walk in the gifts that he has given to us. And again, the scripture talks about that empowering in part being Prophesying. Again, Acts two seventeen, this is the day of Pentecost when the church was endowed or empowered with the Holy Spirit. It says, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my midservants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Now pouring out his spirit on all flesh, it's not talking about all flesh in general but he's talking about again those that put faith in christ there's no partiality with god he's not going to say are you a prophet priest or king okay i'm not going to pour out my spirit but if you put your faith in him he pours out his spirit again it's not saying all flesh saying your cat is filled with the holy ghost your cat definitely your cat is not your dog may no i won't get into that but on all of us and it's speaking about gifts of the spirit Paul giving instruction concerning them in 1 Corinthians 14.1. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But notice here, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And so we're being told that we should be praying that we could prophesy. That we could pray that when we speak forth god's word it won't fall to the ground but it would penetrate people's hearts now listen he doesn't say pray that you'll be a prophet and i get very leery when prophet so-and-so shows up because i found most individuals who put prophet in their title they're a prophet but of the false prophet variety because listen if you're a prophet or one that prophesies you don't need to tell anybody it's like the guy who shows up and says i'm a tough guy listen if you're a tough guy you don't need to tell anybody that everyone knows that that's the case so you run around on prophet so-and-so listen there's most likely an agenda going on without a red flag going up we haven't been called to pray that we could be prophets but instead that we could prophesy i mean don't want don't you want to prophesy to your children and listen when we talk about prophesying we're not talking about having to get a sandwich board sign and a bullhorn and go and scream in people's faces But don't you want your words when you talk about God to your children to penetrate their hearts? We don't want that to fall out on deaf ears when you're ministering to your spouse in the workplace. When you get that window to be able to share Jesus with somebody and teaching Sunday school, whatever the case would be. We want those words to go forth with power. And listen, oftentimes prophecy isn't necessarily a long speech given, but many times it's just a few words spoken at the right time when the Lord uses his obedient servant to impact someone else. I shared this a few Wednesday nights ago. Shared it before in the past, but listen, this was the most powerful time that I know of that anyone ever prophesied to me. I was a young man in rebellion against the Lord, completely backslidden. Growing up in Gilroy, California, and we we would usually either go party in San Jose or Salinas. And on this night, we went down to Salinas. I'm cruising on Main Street with my lowrider, my 30 speakers, you know, blasting in the car with my crew in there and i notice over to the right there's a, a handful of jesus freaks and they got signs saying you know jesus loves you and some say repent and john 3 16 and so forth and so i'm doing my best just to do this i don't want to look over there i don't want any type of conviction and so forth and before i knew it i see see one of the women leaving that crowd putting her sign down and she comes right up to the window of the passenger and the guys in my car are looking at you like who? what are you doing up here you might get stabbed you know that's like their mindset <laughs> and she looks right at me and she says are you a christian and listen i can count on myself a christian though i was a as backslidden christian as you could ever be but i wasn't going to deny the lord if someone asked me that directly i had a, just a little bit of enough of a fear of god to say listen i don't you know whatever i don't care what they think these guys in the car and i looked at her and said yes i'm a christian and she looked at me and she said, then what are you doing out here? And she turned and she walked away. And it was, the, it was prophetic. I'm like, oh, why do you have to say that? Because for the next three or four years, everywhere I went, I heard her voice. And it was really the Lord speaking to, through her. What are you doing out here? What are you doing here? Why are you in this place? Why are you here again? What are you doing here? And it was finally again that night that I really gave my life to the Lord. I heard the voice again what are you doing here it's like i don't know what i'm doing here i don't want to be here anymore and i really think if she would have then went on to some big you know a banter or whatever it probably wouldn't have had the power but what are you doing out here and so we should desire to be a people who prophesy are you praying for that the bible says Again, that we should desire that. Now, again, I know this is where some people say, time out, time out. That gift isn't for us anymore today. That ceased. You know, we don't want to speak God's word and power. That ceased. Time out. When canon was filled, you know what? The scriptures were written. All those gifts ceased. Then I got a question for you. Listen, in the tribulation that is yet to come, last time I looked at the calendar. In Revelation 11.3, it says, about two witnesses, I will give them... I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So if that gift ceased, why are these two witnesses prophesying of the days to come? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord has not ceased that gift. And he wants us to be a people that desire it. Now listen, he says, they speak in the name of the Lord. And it is a big thing to say, thus saith the Lord. It's a big thing to even say, the Lord told me. That'd be one thing to say, listen, this was on my heart. I think that's a lot better way of saying, listen, the Lord spoke to me versus saying, listen, it's on my heart. Because when we start saying, listen, the Lord spoke to me, we're throwing the Lord out there. We're putting the Lord's stamp on what we're saying, right? And there's a lot of people that say they're prophets and the scripture declares them as false prophets. One way we know whether one's a prophet or not is that they're going to speak forth sound doctrine. Versus heresies, which go against, again, the scriptures. Listen to 2 Peter two one. But there will be false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of the truth will be blasphemed. Now, we're going towards grumbling here. We're going somewhere with this. He says there's going to be false prophets to come. One of the way you know someone's a false prophet is they they twist scripture they don't have sound doctrine and sadly many people follow after them interesting we're told again to test what people say whether it's true or not including me but first John 4 1 beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out to the world and one of the ways we test whether one is a prophet or genuinely prophesying is what they're saying is a biblical now, a lot of people today say, listen, if they do a sign or wonder, if people fall over, then they're a prophet of God. If every in the room starts talking in tongues and they do a Jericho march and someone clucks like a chicken, it must be of God. Even stuff that's grossly, biblically out of order, oh, it must be of God because something happened. Listen, Satan is a master of false signs and wonders. The Bible talks about the Antichrist coming with false signs and wonders. Now, listen to Deuteronomy 13 one through about four it says if there arises among you a prophet a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder it doesn't say then just go after him because he did something did a little trick some gold dust came down so boy you know what everyone go follow after him it doesn't say that and the sign or wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them so they do a sign or wonder but then they give false doctrine." i give you a sign or wonder now, listen to me, I'm a prophet, let's go after other gods. And ultimately that's what every false prophet does, whether you know it or not. They're preaching another Jesus, another God. He says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, you shall serve him and hold fast to him. And listen, so many of these false prophets come along with some false signs or wonders, or we'll see here in a minute, they tickle people's ears to appeal to their flesh. And because they say they're someone of God, people think that justifies going after them. But God says, I'm testing you to see if you will stand in my word, if you will stand in my commands, even when the masses are following this false teaching. He's saying, who are you? Who is your God? And when these guys come along, even if they're signs and wonders, if what they're saying is not scriptural, they're false prophets. And we're being tested by it. Also, again, if we're telling of future events, a false prophet or a prophet has to be 100% accurate. And this just makes sense. Does not God know the end from the beginning? And predicting the future, is God, you know, throwing darts at a dartboard saying, okay, let's, let's try to go with this? No, he knows the end from the beginning. And so when men stand up and say, listen, this is going to happen, and when it doesn't happen, guess what? They're a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18.20, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word of my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. If you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass that is the thing which the lord has not spoken the prophet has spoken presumptuously you shall not be afraid of him and everyone i've ever ran into who calls themselves prophet so-and-so you start digging into the prophecies and they're hitting and missing and they're about on the same you know what success rate as deon warwick or somebody <laughs> mike bickle some of you may be familiar with him international house of prayer he's part of the new apostolic reformation he says our prophets are about 65 percent right <laughs> he says the new prophets are about 10 percent and then our seasons ones are 90 percent now they're prophets of god homie if you ain't 100 percent right you better shut your mouth and sit down because you are not prophesying according to the lord i'll tell you, it does great damage lastly here as well listen prophets of god you're going to know them by their fruits Matthew seven fifteen. beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravenous wolves you will know them by their fruits do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles even so every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire therefore by their fruits you will know them listen prophets of God do not fleece the body of Christ when these self-appointed prophets of god are making 40 million dollars a year flying in jets and living in mansions listen their fruits display that they are not prophets of god now is a labor worthy of his wage are those that rightly divided the word worthy of double honor the bible says that they are but listen double honor isn't 40 million a year in jets and ten thousand dollar suits and you know what haircuts as they get up and they fleece the flock of Jesus Christ they don't make disciples after themselves true prophets true prophets don't promote themselves true prophets don't endorse and fellowship other false teachers they don't live sinful lifestyles but there are people that stand in the word of God they preach a sound gospel they bear fruits of the Holy Spirit and they actually call out false teachers and they do it unashamedly Notice what he says about them. Listen, my brethren, about true prophets, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. We're going to bring some of this together now. Why would a prophet of God or one who prophesies suffer? Doesn't everyone want to hear from the Lord? Sadly, the answer to that is no. Most people want to hear someone telling them God is endorsing what they want God to say to them. They want to hear those things that appeal to their flesh that tickle their ears. And sadly, prophetic truth historically is not popular with the secular masses. And sadly, oftentimes, it's not even popular with those that want a form of godliness but deny the power. Listen to Jeremiah 5.30. An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule by their own power. And notice here my people love to have it so and then he says but what will you do in the end and how many people today say listen i don't want to hear truth i want a candy coated watered down message to make me feel good about myself right now and they don't care about the end listen i've talked about this before i'll say it again this is why the shack sold 25 million copies and all these people are going to see it at the movie theater Because the gospel of the shack, which is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, is you can do whatever you want, and you'll still end up in heaven. There's no need for anyone to die for anyone's sins. I'm not even trying to get people to become Christians. Do whatever you want, and you will end up there. That's what the author of the book teaches. That's what's put forth in the book. That's what's put forth in the movie. And people say, I love this. It's the love of God. Oh, we need more of the love of God. I saw the shack and I came to Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. I can do whatever I want and I'll just end up there because God's just like me. He hangs out and cooks and listens to secular music. He's just like me. I can even question him and he gets back and gets intimidated when I interrogate him. this idea of universalism and all this kind of stuff today oh it's the love of god that's not the love of god that's doctrines of demons that are damning souls but the masses eat it up and listen so many again people that want to form a godliness to deny the power they eat it up because they say listen i can stand on this gospel and everyone loves me everyone thinks i'm a swell guy the world receives its own Jesus said in John fifteen eighteen, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would, would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Listen, when you see certain pastors and individuals getting paraded through the secular media, when they're on Oprah's couch every week, that's a really bad sign because the world receives its own. That's a red flag right up there. When you see Carl Lentz and T.D. Jake and Rick Warren, all the whole like of the whole crew, every week they're over there with Oprah who denies the gospel of Jesus Christ blatantly. I don't know these men's hearts. I I really don't. But I know this, the world receives its own. True prophets, the word of God calls men to repent, calls us to die to ourselves, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit. And listen, the flesh doesn't want to hear that. Jesus, when he began his ministry, Mark 1.15, went forth preaching, repent and believe in the gospel. But the flesh and the pride, listen, they don't take kindly to that. Because the flesh says, no, I want to do as I will. The motto of Satanism, do as you will. And I want a God that says, you can do as you will, and I'm good with it, homie. Boy, I love you so much. The love of God, you can do whatever you want, and I'm just with it do as thou will do what's right in your own eyes and when god's word is proclaimed no you need to repent you need to die to yourself this lifestyle is sinful this lifestyle is rebellious against the living god listen the flesh turns and says how dare you and these prophets were persecuted for in love sharing the truth to individuals that they needed to repent and put faith in god almighty to get saved ahab boy you talk about a rebellious king he's going into battle against Syria for some reason Jehoshaphat's hanging out with this guy and in fact he was rebuked by the Lord for it after the fact there was some guilt by association upon Jehoshaphat riding around in Ahab's chariot but they're getting ready to go out into battle and Jehoshaphat says hey isn't there a prophet of God we can talk to about this battle to give us some insight of what might happen because they brought in a bunch of false prophets and said just go out there and you're going to get victory and this is what uh, ahab says he says there's still one man micaiah uh, micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may require of the lord but notice what he says but i hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me but evil i hate him because he said listen you need to repent get on your face before god almighty because he didn't come along and endorse ahab's again agenda which was do as thou wilt whenever you want to do it it's quite comical because he says oh yeah go out yeah go out you'll get victor- victorious he says how many times do i have to tell you to tell me the truth because for sort of the prophet just become like he doesn't want to hear and he basically says i see the children of israel be scattered and you know they'll be destroyed and they still shun him and go out to their demise. Again, as a result of all this, the prophets suffered. They suffered because of sound doctrine. They suffered because of biblical truth at the hands of sinners, at the hands at the tongues of sinners. They suffered again in spiritual warfare and the affliction. Again, the resistance of their own flesh. Elijah was hunted down. Jeremiah, the bread of affliction. John the Baptist was beheaded. In context, speaking about the prophets, in Hebrews 11, it says, in verse 35, the second part of it, it says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and change and imprisonments, and were stoned, they were sawed in two, sawed in two and tempted, were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskin and skins." being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. That doesn't sound like your best life ever, does it? Sawn in two? Homeless? But why? Because they wished to obtain a better resurrection. They said, listen, there might be some affliction for standing for the truth today, but eternity set before us, and I want to obtain a better resurrection. So be it. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Because of truth. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So again, he says, learn from their example. And these men, when they were rejected, they didn't get a grudge. And when they did get a grudge, God dealt with them. you read the book of Jonah. They didn't get a grudge, but instead they wept. Psalm 119, 136, David says, rivers of water run down my eyes because men do not keep your law. Jeremiah thirteen fifteen. hear and give ear, do not be proud for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he causes darkness, before your feet stumble on the dark mountains. But while you are looking for light, he turns it into the shadow of death and makes dense darkness. And then he says, but if you will not hear it, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. And so again, they didn't get a grudge. They didn't grumble against those that were rejecting truth. They wept for them because they knew ultimately they're rejecting God Almighty. They're already under condemnation. And if they don't repent, they're going to spend eternity in hell. So guess what? They don't need my personal wrath. They need my prayers. They need me to endure, to share truth with them. They need to be me to be a person of prayer for them, interceding for them, and again, weeping for them. So the prayers are fervent. And again, in considering them, these prophets, listen, their end reward was great. There wasn't blood on their hands. There was a remnant that listened and repented and no doubt they heard well done thy good and faithful servant they endured in fact verse 11 indeed we count them blessed who endured and we look at their lives and we see it lived out as we look at the example of scripture say wow what a blessing they endured i kind of liken it to watching a marathon not that i'm really into that but i think it was last summer i came home from church on sunday and i was tired and Wanted to take a nap, but I'm like, what's something that will put me to sleep? And I turned on the Olympics, and they were running the marathon. I'm like, that will do it. (laughs) And I remember watching for a little bit as I started to doze off. They're about five, six miles in. I'm thinking, man, that just looks painful already. I'm like, I don't don't think I can even get to mile two. Maybe there's like a donut shop at the end of mile two. I can make it there. I'm like, that just looks painful. And and I, I fell asleep. I woke up there about mile 13. I'm like, man. some of them started to cramp up a little bit and these these people do this you know this is like their thing put me back to sleep woke up towards the end about three or four miles left and gosh again some people were beginning to drop out people that have been in the lead began to be overtaken and so forth and i watched that and as they finished it actually was kind of a glorious thing and I, i just thought about the scriptures running the race and finishing the race and so forth and and you know being able to watch the whole thing it it, it made a difference of it it wasn't just the suffering you saw the end result the victory the medalists other people beating their best time some people from like countries that their people probably shouldn't even be there because of their time but i finished the race you know they'll be proud of me back on the island or wherever it was you know and he says listen we know their end product and we count them blessed who endure." And boy, when those people finished the race and the ones that meddled, you count them blessed, they endured the race. They didn't stop. And he says these prophets, we see their endurance and we need to follow their example, especially in a day where the scriptures say so many are falling away from the faith. The scriptures say that over and over again. We're getting near to the end here, but I want to read to you. And it's a passage we look at oftentimes, but I want to read it and point out some things that maybe we haven't done so much before first timothy 1 4 through 5 he says i charge you that before god and the lord jesus christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in kingdom and notice he brings the judgment of god preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince exhort convince rebuke exhort notice here with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from the truth be turned aside to fables but you be watchful in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry enduring is a picture of pressing forward even in the midst of suffering and he says the time will come when they won't endure it they say we don't want to stand in truth because they're suffering we just want the love of God that God that just tells us do as thou wilt Interesting to me how many people want to hear about the love of God, but they don't want to hear about loving God back. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Will we endure sound doctrine? Will we endure sound doctrine as a fellowship? Will we endure sound doctrine as individuals in our homes? Will we endure afflictions? And sound doctrine will bring it. Listen, you're going to grapple in your own heart with your flesh That wages war against your spirit if you're going to endure sound doctrine. There's going to be resistance from the world that is just saying, this is all hateful. The enemy of our soul, again, this Laodicean church we read about that's so hostile towards truth. Or are we going to heap up teachers that tickle our ears and speak according to our lust? It's interesting the word heap up. It means to pile high and bring together. Pile high. They're going to heap them up. He's saying, in the last days, many will turn from the truth. They won't endure sound doctrine. And they're going to heap up. They're going to pile high false teachers. And then they're going to bring them all together. And I'll tell you, the landscape is filled with individuals that are false teachers in the church. And they are piled high. And they're coming all together saying, let's all march to Rome and move into an ecumenical one world religion it is scriptural and it is unfolding it is prophetic and it is happening we need endurance he says give the more earnest heed to the things you have heard lest you drift and again we need to know in standing in truth there's going to be an opposition and a part of the pressure is going to be you're not loving you're not kind you're not gentle Why aren't you going along with all of this? Why do you have to be an instigator and a pressure? You better believe that there is a continual pressure put upon me as the pastor of this church by individuals to say, tone it down. I've had people come in and say, why don't you talk about the love of God? I preach the cross of Calvary every week. There's nothing more loving than the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 11, indeed we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Job, a godly man. The Lord said about him that the man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. And Satan came along to give an account to God, and he said, Have you considered my servant Job? Oh, God, what are you doing? And he says, You put a hedge of protection around him. He says, Well, I'm going to lower that a bit. Job loses his possessions, his kids, his health. He's falsely accused by his friends, so he's being afflicted by Satan. Trials, loss, persecution. At one point, his wife says to him, Why don't you curse God and die? Thank you, honey, for that encouragement but he persevered. Was he perfect in the perseverance? No. But we consider his life, and we shouldn't just think about the trial. We need to think about the end result. And oftentimes when I hear people talking about Job, they just talk about the trial. Oh, I'm like, Job, well, yeah, and what happened with Job? At the end in Job 42.5, he says, I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And then he says, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He had a revelation of the glory of god and the realization of we are but dust oh god be merciful to me and then in Job 42 12 it says the lord blessed the latter days of job more than his beginnings we need to consider again the end like he said in the end what will you do when the people rejoice that the false prophets prophesied he said the people love it that way but what will you do in the end those prophets have said they wish to obtain a better resurrection again for the lord is very compassionate and merciful and indeed he is again we were mankind in sin and rebellion and god almighty sent his son jesus christ tempted in every way but he didn't sin and he went to the cross of calvary to bear the wrath to me the wrath to you upon himself we're going to take communion here in a minute we're going to talk about that jesus in his body took the wrath to us is there anything more loving and compassionate than that that one would lay down his life for his friends what about this he demonstrated his love for us and why we were still sinners he sent his son and when he rose from the grave he defeated sin and death that if any that whoever would call upon the name of the lord will be saved even the fact that we're giving time in this valley of decision to choose or reject him you talk about compassion and mercy if he's not your lord today today's a day of salvation today's a day where you need to bend knee and repent which means you turn from whatever your god is and listen you got something out there that your god your own way do as thou wilt it is time to lay that down And say, Jesus, forgive me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And again, in our own lives, we need to remember he's very compassionate and merciful. And that's a reason not to grumble, right? That's a reason not to bear a grudge. He's so compassionate and merciful to me. He's told me he's working all these things out for good. Who am I then to grumble and get a grudge and get hard-hearted? God is who he says he is, and he's compassionate, and he's merciful. And I plan my ways, and he directs my steps, and he has as his son, he has as you being his daughter, us being his children through faith in Jesus Christ, he has our best interest in mind. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be content if we are walking in ungodliness, godliness with contentments of great gain. But absolutely, listen, he has not called us to grumble and to complain, but instead to obey and rejoice and be thankful. And lastly, listen, as he is compassionate and merciful to us, let's speak the truth in love, not bearing grudges if the truth is rejected. Don't fall into that trap, that hardness of heart, that even of feeling of, you know what, Victimizing yourself because the truth is being rejected, and so we fall into this: I am the victim, and I have a right, and I can put a wall up around me, and so forth. I'm not called to that. We're called to be thick-skinned and soft-hearted. Amen. Let's stand up and ask the Lord to bless us as we take communion. Hopefully, we can bless Him. Let's just stand up there for a minute. The ushers are going to pass out, come up and pass out the bread and the cup. And as we partake, we absolutely want to partake and remember. So this this is for believers, followers of Christ. If you don't know the Lord, though, maybe even right now in this service, you've asked Jesus to forgive you, to be your Lord and Savior, then this is for you. But we want to remember what we're doing. We don't want to just partake of the Lord's Supper as some ritual thing that we do. As we hold the bread in our hands, let's eat it in remembrance of Jesus' body that was broken for us. Again, he chose to come into this earth and take on the form of a man. And go to the cross and bear the wrath due us in his body. And he told us to eat this bread in remembrance of him doing that. That's a glorious thing to remember, is it not? And then he said again the cup was the cup of the new covenant his blood shed for us life's in the blood jesus's blood was shed so our sins could be washed and forgiven and that we could be seen as saints in the eyes of god almighty under grace not under the law listen if you're under the law if you think it's jesus plus something you do and you set up a law that's a false gospel if you go under the law you have to keep the whole thing we're under the grace of God. We're forgiven. And now we're called to walk in newness of life. But let's remember that as we drink from that cup. Jesus' blood was shed for me so I could be washed and forgiven and be brought from the law to grace and right standing with God Almighty. Listen, if there's are sayings you are harboring in your heart, maybe you've got a grudge in your heart, you've been grumbling, lay that down before them. Let's partake in a worthy manner. This is about God's forgiveness to us, and we're going to partake with unforgiveness towards someone else in fact the church of corinth was warned he says some are sick amongst you because of the way they partake of communion they don't partake in a worthy manner they don't take with a heart of humility they take with a heart of pride let's uh, let's let's let not that be us this morning amen and so lord god as we pass out the communion we pray that you will bless it we pray that we can partake in a manner that's glorifying to you a man or god that is full of joy as we rejoice in who you are and what you've done for us and lord you would just again even just strengthen our person god this morning and our walks with you give us endurance this morning strength from upon high and we ask these things in jesus name amen and hey, you can be seated we're gonna close with the last few songs and you can partake as you're led by the lord as these things are passed out
1: For every sin and sinner's curse, for every sentence we deserve. For every.
0: amen amen hey the altar is going to be open up here if you'd like to come pray with someone if you gave your life to the lord I encourage you to come up this morning we'd love to put a bible in your hands encourage you in your new walk with jesus christ pray you have a wonderful day a blessed day on the lord and remember prayer tonight at 5 p.m come join us out in sunken gardens if you can make it